0: Zibera, and welcome to Food of the Gods, a podcast that explores how elite athletes eat and train to fuel performance. In July 2021, midway through the IndyCar season, we talked with Alex Pello, driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing. The 24-year-old, who began driving go-karts as a young boy in his hometown near Barcelona, went on to become the first Spaniard to win the IndyCar Series title. In late February, in his first race as defending champ, Alex started the 2022 season off with a second-place finish at the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Alex's stories about his CrossFit training, about learning from legendary teammates Jimmy Johnson, Scott Dixon, and Tony Kanaan, and about discovering peanut butter and jelly and fried chicken made this one of our favorite episodes, so we wanted to share it again as the IndyCar season hits full swing. Alex, thanks so much for uh, doing this. How are you? Where are you? Of
1: course. No, thank you for having me. I'm at home at uh, Indianapolis
0: now. Cool. So... This is a podcast for folks who are fans of all sports and I don't know how much people are going to know about IndyCar or even just about you. So I do want to go a little bit into your background, how you got into racing. I did read a cool story about how you discovered go-kart racing on your walk to and from school outside of Barcelona as a young boy. So how did you get from seeing it from a distance into racing yourself?
1: Yeah, so that's a real story that uh, I had. I had to go every day, obviously, from my house to school, and in between there was a really small go karting track, and I would see every day like kids or just uh, people doing laps. and And I guess that one day I asked my family if I could test and do some laps go kart, but unfortunately I was four at that time and I couldn't reach the pedal, so I was just so small. So then all my family decided to buy. Uh, really old and really small go-kart just for fun when I was five and I started on my fifth birthday we started there we didn't know anything about racing or anything but we started just as a hobby
0: so what's the learning curve in a go-kart how long does it take for you to be able to drive and, and be good it's difficult to say.
1: Um, I don't think it's... Well, I think like all sports, right? There must be people that in maybe one year or half a year, they are able to be on top of the cart and being able to drive it super fast. But I was so young that I think it took me a year and I was not doing it professionally. I, I, I didn't want or we were not looking for that. We were just looking for having fun and driving go-karts, which was what I wanted at that time. So I think it took a good first year to being top of the cart and, and being able to drive it well, but it's still, I'm still learning. Like this is a sport, I guess, like a lot of sports that you, you never stop learning. You find that there's new techniques uh, there's different tracks, different cars, different setups. So we are still learning. And, and it's like every day I wish I knew yesterday what I know today, but yeah, yeah it's cool. It's a cool, it's a cool sport.
0: Did you play other sports as a kid? I tried. I
1: tried to play some soccer in Spain. It's super, no, I would say 99% of the kids play soccer, but I was super bad at soccer. <laughs> so I tried, but it didn't work out. So, no, I cannot play other sports. I like looking at other sports, but I cannot play them.
0: Cool. What was the process of moving from go-karts into to regular cars? And just kind of give us an idea of what your trajectory was through racing.
1: Yeah. So in racing, there's not like a specific timeline you have to follow, uh, especially jumping from go-karts to like racing cars. It's more like small formulas. It depends. There's kids that they are jumping now when they are 13, 14. I jumped when I was 16 or 15, I think. And yeah, I just had an opportunity. I just got a a test, which is just a day of practice. I had a test uh, with the team and they gave me the opportunity to do one full season in Formula 3 and we started there. So I did one race, one year of Formula 3 in Europe. And then uh, I spent two more years in Europe racing other series. And then I went to Japan before coming to the US.
0: For the many listeners on this show who I'm sure don't know a lot about open wheel racing, what's the difference between Formula 3, Formula 2, Formula 1?
1: It's basically, let's say nowadays, Formula 3 would be a good step for a guy that goes from go-karting to a single-seater. It's a series that have like 300 horsepower. So it's already like a big card. And then Formula 2 would be a bit less than an unicar, which is 600 horsepower so it's already a big step and then formula one will be the top of the series and then that's like thousand horsepower which indycar nowadays it's like 850 and it's going to get to a thousand in two years but yeah it's different series here in america we race ovals which we don't race ovals in europe at all so it's it's a different series for sure
0: what was it like for you having to adapt to the different horsepower of the car and then also to the different shapes of the tracks over here? Yeah,
1: it's it's interesting. I think that you see so many tracks when you're young, That then when you go to a new track, you see corners where you've been before, just because even if it's, I don't know, like we were at Mid Ohio this weekend, but there's corners shaped as same as we have at Barber, for example. So you get to a point where you saw so many corners that uh, that's quite easy for drivers and then for cars, it just takes like a couple of days of training to really get on top of that card. But yeah, it's it's easy for the drivers. It's, it's tough to explain how we get used mm-hmm. to But for us, it's quite easy just because we just break at those break points and then we know how to drive it. But uh, yeah, it's, it just takes some practice.
0: So we had Arik Almarola on the show. He drives a NASCAR. And I know IndyCar is a little bit different, but he kind of gave us an idea, tried to compare it to what it's like driving your normal car down the highway. So can you tell us just a little bit what it's like driving 240 miles an hour for three hours? I know the G-forces are crazy. I know the NASCAR car drivers deal with a lot of extreme heat. You guys have an open cockpit. Does that make a difference? What is it like to be in that car?
1: Yeah, I would say NASCAR, they have more heat just because it's completely closed. Uh, In any car, we now they, we have an air screen, which is like a screen we have on front, but it's still open on top. So we get more airflow. So for sure, for us, it's a bit better. And on ovals, yeah, we get to 240 miles. That's like, I don't know, like I never been so fast, obviously on a highway, (laughs) but it's like when you go to a roller coaster and you, you feel those Gs at the beginning when they start that it just it pulls you back uh that's what we feel on the corners and the speed is really similar where i would say it's a bit more but we don't get that feeling just because we're on the car we are sitting so low we are with a helmet and when you go to a roller coaster you don't have a helmet or anything and, and you have your knees like falling so i would say it's pretty similar to a roller coaster but yeah you're in control of that so
0: and I'm sure that they don't have power steering. So what is it like holding that speed on the steering wheel through those curves? Yeah, we are one of the
1: only series in single seaters that we don't use power steering, which is super cool. I think just because it can make a difference between drivers that uh, prepare better physically or not. And yeah, it's super hard. It's like the old road cars where you had to park and it was like so stiff to turn the wheels. So it's pretty similar, but it's, it's super fun for the driver just because you're in control of 100% of the car. You feel every bump, you feel everything. When I tried some cars with power steering, you don't feel everything from the car, just because that engine from the power steering gets some, some of the, of the road thing. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to drive any car.
0: Is holding that wheel something that you train for? I mean, it, it probably requires some grip strength, some shoulder core. Do you train for that in the gym or is it something you just get used to being in the car?
1: It's tough to train it at the gym just because the way we're sitting and the way the wheel moves, uh, it's super hard to replicate that. But we try to replicate that. Otherwise, uh, we do a lot of grip training. I like spend 50% of my training days training grip. And then neck, it's super important. I would say, I would say grip is the number one priority for IndyCar drivers and neck it's the second just because of the G's on the corners. But yeah, we, we try and spend a lot of time, but then you feel you're ready. Every preseason, uh, you feel you've been preparing uh, enough and you've been stepping up from last year, but then you get to the first race of the year and you're like, Oh no, uh, everything hurts. So (laughs) it's something there while you are sitting on the car you hit some muscles that you cannot train but yeah we, we try
0: how do you try what are the exercises that you do for grip and for neck so for grip i we have like a it's like a seat
1: which replicates the position of when i'm driving an car, and then instead of a steering we just take like a weight and we try and, and be like if we're turning while also we have some, we have an iron neck. I don't know if you know the machine that, yeah. So we use a lot of iron neck, which is, I think it's the best thing to train the, the neck. And yeah, we try and come up with ideas which sometimes work, sometimes doesn't. Normally, always when we do those exercises looks a bit weird, but it's it's fun. It's super fun. And our life easier when when we're racing.
0: I believe that that iron neck thing is the, a lot of NFL linemen use that to prepare for getting hit by other 350 pound men. So it gives you some perspective to think about what it feels like to be in the car when you think about it being the same thing that the NFL guys used to train.
1: Yeah. And I think they, we started using it just because we saw it's so important for them. Obviously for them, it's like, for us, it's just that you get tired, but for them, it's super important for the concussions. But uh, we saw that they started using it and everybody was talking so well. So we tried and it's amazing, to be honest. Yeah. Like it's it's the best tool to train it.
0: Your Ganassi teammates, Scott Dixon, Jimmy Johnson, Tony Kanan, they're all in their 40s, but they're also known even outside of racing for their fitness. How do they push? I mean, you're only 24 years old. How do they push you? From an exercise perspective
1: yeah obviously they are amazing they they spend so much time training and and i would say everybody trains a lot but tony is one of the guys that it's either training bicycle or he's running he's at the gym he's like all day training so being 24 and knowing that he's more than 40 and he's still training that much and he's a champion and i'm not it's like oh man i need to step it up so it's been super fun to join these guys. With. We didn't really train a lot together just because we have our own personal trainers. But yeah, we share some some training workouts and, and we push each other. But yeah, it's been super fun.
0: How high does your heart rate get during an uh, IndyCar race? Um, we have some moments
1: with uh, obviously the start and we have the pit stops. And we have some high moments where we can get to 180, 185. But then normally our heart rate, it's going to go low during the race. It's going to be, I think last time I checked, it was like 140 on something like that. Just because we go for so long, if we were like 180 all the time, we would be like dying. But yeah, there's also tracks which demand a bit more than others, especially the the tracks that we have so many corners. We get a lot of more heart rate, high heart rate. But yeah, we don't get super, super high.
0: That's still probably around 60, 65% of a max heart rate. So it is like a, even a bit more than an endurance level. I know you like to cycle. What, what do you do to train your cardiovascular endurance to be able to endure that for that long? So
1: what I started doing this year, I, I started training CrossFit just so I could train my heart rate uh, while I'm doing weights, just because that's what I do when I'm driving. I'm, I'm like turning the wheel, but at the same time, I'm breathing really hard. It's been working really well. I stopped cycling because I broke my collarbone doing mountain bike. And that was like, yeah, (laughs) you cannot do that. (laughs) That's not your sport. So, and then I I just run, I just run and crossfit and I did some swimming. I don't really like swimming just because I'm not good at swimming. So I try it, but it's not my thing. So yeah, I keep it on crossfit and running.
0: So I've been doing CrossFit since like 2008 before anybody wow. even thought it was cool. And I'm a level one CrossFit coach and and I love it. So what do you no have way. any, do you have any favorite CrossFit workouts yet? Oh my God. Not yet. Not yet. I'm getting into it. I have
1: my, so I have my, my trainer, which we train just one, one, one. I did some classes with some other people, but with a, COVID and stuff. I just wanted to keep it simple. But there's a lot of stuff I hate, but there's no one workout I love because I always feel super bad. But I would say pushing the sled is one of the things that I do the most. And just the complete workouts, I don't have anything in particular yet. What do you hate? <laughs> I hate, we have the ski, the ski roller. Scare, yep. Oh my God. I don't, I don't like that one. I hate everything that has to do with squats, maybe because I'm super weak. I had, uh, yeah, the sled, but I really enjoy how I feel afterwards. Obviously, I guess like everybody. And I think it's, it's not the same as going into the gym and just doing some weights. It's, it's something else. And when you share it with some other people, it feels amazing. Like you can push each other. You see other people doing the same things as you, and you can train even if, I've been training just for one year. I can train with people that has been doing it for 10 years Mm -hmm. and and we can do the same workout. Yeah. He's going to be like more on top of it, but, uh, we can do the same thing. And I feel it's a really nice sport. Let's say,
0: are you going to a CrossFit gym in Indianapolis? Yes. Which one?
1: It's CrossFit Westfield and it's right. Two minutes in front of my house. I was just there. Well, I moved to Indianapolis this year. So I just, I was looking for CrossFit places. I just found out that one, there was a lot of nice people that was willing to help and and yeah, we made it work.
0: So how many days a week are you uh, in the gym? Six. Six days of CrossFit?
1: Except for the days that we, the weeks that we are racing, but yeah, six of CrossFit and then I go running one time with uh, my trainer Scott.
0: And when you go for a run, are those longer workouts?
1: Yeah, but not crazy long. We don't go more than one hour. We do like more intervals. We don't do like just a normal steady run just because on, on the races, as I said, there's, we go a lot of up and down and yeah, I don't need to be two hours at one thirty heartbeats. heartbeat.
0: So yeah. Yeah. When you are on the road, how does your, how do your workouts change? Do you travel with, with workout equipment? What, what do you do to get your exercise in when you're away? Depends. So now we are a bit lucky that we don't
1: have to spend like a week when we're racing. It used to be like you had to spend lots of days. Now we spend like three days out of of home. So I travel with some stuff, with some bands, some small stuff, because I cannot get lot of equipment with my bags. And, and then hopefully we, we just pray and, and hope for a hotel that has some stuff, right? But uh, it's not easy, but it's more that we I just go there and, and just warm up or just do something to get just some blood flowing and, and get ready for, for the weekend. But uh, I don't train when I'm outside. I just prepare myself to be ready to go.
0: What do you do to get ready on race day? On race day, I, I would just
1: stretch with my bands. So I have uh, different bands for my upper body and my lower body. I would just stretch and get a bit of movement going on. And I would do that an hour, an hour and a half before we start, just because we have all those media stuff and driver intros. And uh, we have a lot of activities before we go. So I cannot do it like 30 minutes before I mm-hmm. have to do it quite a lot earlier.
0: I think I read you're about six feet, 175. Is that right? I don't know in feet, but yeah, 175 uh, centimeters. (laughs) So is this a natural weight for you? Do you have to work hard to be that lean and how important is it for you to be light in the race car?
1: It's yeah, I don't, I have to track a bit my food intake, but I don't go crazy, but yeah, that, that would be my natural weight, I would say. And then, it's super important in IndyCar, especially in IndyCar, to keep your your weight quite low, just because if we are low, the engineers can take that weight that you have and they can move it around the car to make the car feel better or, or however you want. So there's there's a minimum weight on IndyCar and the car and the driver has to reach certain number of weight. So if you are lighter, they can just move the weight around.
0: It's funny because most of us think... If we gain a few pounds, we're just going to feel a little bit bloated and a little bit sluggish. But with you, it could change the way your race car feels. That's crazy. Yes.
1: Yes. Because we, and it changes a lot. Like people would say, oh no, three pounds is not too much. But for us, three pounds or five pounds to move it from completely the rear of the car to the front of the car, it changes completely the way the car behaves. So I think it's not super important to be like super, super light just because then everybody, uh, then all the weight is going to be in the front of the car and that's not what you want, but you, it's super important to keep a steady weight during yeah. all year. So the engineer know exactly. Yeah. You can move one pound, but not if I move more than one pound, he's going to be, Hey Alex, what did you, what did you do those weeks? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, we, we've been doing it good now. Uh, let's see after the break that we have now, if I can keep it up. <laughs>
0: Do you lose weight during a race the way the NASCAR drivers do? Or is that not as much of an issue because it's not as hot?
1: Yeah, we do lose a lot of water weight. It's just liquids. But uh, yeah, we recover in two days that weight. But yeah, once I wait on, on Mondays, I feel like, oh yeah, I'm good now. Or, or I'm much better, but no, it, we recover super quickly.
0: What do you do to prepare yourself for that? How important is like, hydration ahead of time for you?
1: Yeah, hydration ahead of time. I prepare before I even start traveling to the race weekend. Like I used to do it just before the race. I would just drink like a bottle of water and I would say, oh yeah, I drink all my water. But I found it super important to be hydrated way before. And I start really early when I start leaving home. And then when I'm on free practices, on qualifying. And before the race, I just start taking some supplements. It's mostly electrolytes and salts. But yeah, nothing crazy. Just trying to prepare ahead.
0: Any particular supplements that you like a lot for hydration? Not much. I just
1: uh, take always salt taps. Salt mm-hmm. stick, is it called? Salt stick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So salt taps, Then sometimes I get some gels, but there's no specific brand or specific product I, I use. Right.
0: What is your diet like overall? I would
1: say it's not crazy. As I said, like there's days that I have a lot of like dinners or lunches. So I I just have to go with it. But I just try to eat a bit of everything, mostly protein. Obviously, I try to eat really as much as possible at home. Um, so when I'm at home, I prepare, yeah, lots of beef, yeah, beef and chicken. And and yeah, that's it. It's nothing crazy, to be honest.
0: Do you like to cook? You, You cook most of your meals? No, I don't like because
1: I, it doesn't taste really good because I'm not a good cooker. So I have to wait for my girlfriend to cook some stuff. So when she's away and she's like, I'm not a good cooker. But if it's only for me, I'm, I'm fine just eating rice and, and chicken some weeks. So, yeah, it's all right.
0: <laughs> what is your typical pre-race meal?
1: It's normally rice. I have to eat rice and it's normally chicken as well. Yeah, we get hospitality food from to every race. And yeah, I, d- I just want to feel that I have enough food and that I don't have too much. And I know that rice and chicken, it works for my body that I don't feel bad or anything. So I just take the same thing every time. I know it's always available rice and chicken everywhere we go. So that's mm-hmm. what I get. And not too much. I just get a little bit just so I don't feel hungry and just so I have something in the body, obviously. And what about post race? Post race, yeah, that's a bit more important. But if it's a really good race, I normally overeat a little bit just because I feel happy. And I don't know what's going on with drivers that we we like to eat some something that it's not good for our body after a race. So. I don't have any specific thing. Uh, Only when we win, when we win, I get some fried chicken. And yeah, that day, it's not going to be a good day for our buddy, but he understands. So it's all right.
0: (laughs) So I, I saw that when you won your first race, you had the fried chicken and then you just did it again when you won your second one recently. I know winner, winner, chicken dinner. That is a very American phrase. Was this something that you were aware of in Spain growing up? Winner, winner, chicken dinner?
1: Yeah, I was aware, I think from the films or something, but yeah, I was aware and I don't really know how it started. I know it started when I was in Japan with my dad and we just got fried chicken and he was like, OK, let's do a tradition of that. So every time we get a really good result, but now it's just a win. Every time we get a, a win, we, we get some fried chicken. I love fried chicken. I don't know if there's somebody that doesn't like fried chicken, but (laughs) but yeah, I love fried chicken and I cannot eat it every time. So it's a good excuse to have it after a win.
0: What has been the best fried chicken you've had since you seem to have had it all over the world? Uh, um, It's in America for sure. I love the one in Japan
1: because it's different, but it tastes like too healthy, to be honest. It doesn't (laughs) taste like greasy or so it doesn't, it tastes too healthy so i don't feel bad when i'm eating it which it should sound good but no and that's not what i want when i want fried chicken i want like true fried chicken american fried chicken so here in indy i found a really good place called the eagle in downtown indy and i like it It's i love it but i'm still i have like a list that people send me just because now i started saying that I get fried chicken after a win. So people on Twitter and on Instagram started sending me like places I had to test at some point. So I have to go over a list now and hopefully I'll find my perfect place.
0: And th- So that means you have to win a lot more races so you can get yeah, a lot more fried chicken.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's what we aim for every weekend. That's the excuse we have. But yeah, I have to win some more races just to try those places that everybody told me.
0: I think I have to go to Japan to try healthy fried chicken.
1: <laughs> to be honest, I know, but you taste it and it doesn't. It's weird, okay? It's weird. You would you wouldn't think that fried chicken it wouldn't be oily or something, but they do it on on a way that it doesn't taste like fried. To be honest, so and it's everywhere. It's the way they cook it, but it's they take care a lot of their food in in Japan. And the way they fry, they don't fry a lot of stuff, but the way they fry, it's similar to that tempura. So it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel like fried chicken.
0: I think, so I can't eat gluten. So I can't eat a lot of fried chicken here in the U.S. because they use regular flour. But I bet you I could eat the one in Japan because they probably use rice flour, which is probably why it seems lighter. I'm sure. Yeah. So I also read a funny story online about your first introduction to peanut butter and jelly yeah can you share that story <laughs>
1: yeah so i saw that some drivers started posting stuff it was uh another it was an australian driver that posted a photo from uh, uncrustables it's called and i was like what's that like i never saw that and i never tried it so yeah I, I bought that i tried it i i posted my opinions on twitter which i love it and i found it's amazing so i in the story is that in Spain we don't have that much peanut butter, so it's you actually have to order it. You don't go to a supermarket and you find peanut butter so if you find it, you're not gonna mix it with jelly. I don't feel like uh, like nobody mixes it, so I didn't even think about it. I know for everybody, it's super normal and they do it when they grow when they are kids, but uh, for me it was something special and it will get. <laughs>
0: So do you eat peanut butter now out of the jar like a true American? For me, peanut butter is a food group. (laughs) Maybe not that
1: far. I don't go that far. But yeah, after uh, before I go training every morning, I get my peanut butter. Yeah. But I don't eat it like straight from the jar no i cannot do that
0: <laughs> you put it on toast or, or on yeah a banana i put it, it on a,
1: i put it on toast and on a banana it was something i tried and it feels it's amazing like it's an right. amazing combo it's yeah. amazing
0: yeah so what are your goals for this the rest of this indycar season win the championship it's not gonna be easy
1: but uh we have six races left now and yeah, we just got to be on top of what we can do. We got to maximize every weekend and, and we have still street course races, road course races and Oval, So we have like half of the season left. But yeah, we're looking good.
0: When you are on a team with guys who are so well known and such good drivers like the guys on, on Ganassi, is it? I mean, obviously, you look to them to see how they go about their business, but because you're not in the car with them to see how they drive, how do you learn from them and take full advantage of these amazing guys you have around you?
1: Yeah, it's amazing to be able to share teams and days of preparation with uh, champions because at the end of the day, Scott Dixon is a six-time IndyCar champion, Jimmy is a seven-time NASCAR Cup champion, and Tony is a champion. So we, in motorsport, we use a lot of data, which we get everything, every input that the driver does to the car. Like we see every degree of steering that he changes. So we can see that and we can compare to what we're doing. And the same on the onboard cameras, we have the cameras and you can see where they are breaking, how they are approaching the corner. So I can try and replicate and learn a lot from them, but it's more what I learned from when I talk to them uh, in person after a session or before a session that I can see on data. So yeah, it's, it's a big benefit I have this year sharing team with these guys.
0: How do you think you've improved as a driver since you joined Ganassi?
1: Yeah, a lot in every aspect. I wouldn't say there's only one thing that made me a lot better. But yeah, in all my skills, I would say I improved a lot. But especially there was one that I was like really bad and Dixon was like the best. Uh, and I learned a lot on fuel saving and that's something that it's hard to do just because on on the races in Indycar we get refueling and in, if you can get one or two more laps extra than everybody with the same fuel and you can do different strategies that's going to give you opportunities to win more races or to fight for more races so how do you save gas uh, you save gas by not applying that much throttle and the the thing is we then obviously you go slower but the thing is how can you do that without going That's lower. So normally every driver, we to save fuel, we just lift the throttle uh, before braking. I don't know, maybe 100 feet, 200 feet before. And just because we go so fast, we don't lose that much speed. Maybe we lose five miles an hour, not much. But that saves a lot of gas in 30 laps. Maybe that's, I don't know, a gallon. and, And we can do extra laps with that. So yeah, there's ways on techniques on saving fuel and Scott Dixon is the best of it.
0: It's funny when you drive, when you're a passenger in just a normal car and someone is always slamming on the brakes, you know, and it makes you go back and forth and you get car sick. I always think to myself, you know, the first way to slow down is just to take your foot off the gas. So maybe exactly. I knew something that I didn't know I knew.
1: Right. Exactly. So that, and that's the thing. Like I, I also don't understand why people, it's like gas or a brake and they don't know The position of just releasing everything and letting the car roll. And it's really good for fuel efficiency, even on road cars. But that's that's what we use on racing cars. Yeah.
0: Do you do anything particular? I know if I spend two or three hours in the car, my hips are all messed up. My back hurts. What do you do to get your body back in shape from a mobility standpoint after spending a lot of time in the car? Oh, yeah. My hips get... I'm really bad with my hips strength. No, or yeah, I, flexibility. My hips,
1: flexibility. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, I need to do a lot of exercises with my hips, and then all my back. It's always sore. So sometimes I get to the physio after after a race, and a lot of strength. No, how you say it?
0: Exercises, stretching. Do you do any stretching? Yoga?
1: Stretching. Uh, no, I never did any yoga. Okay. No, I should try that.
0: Is there anything that you like from a recovery standpoint? Like I know a lot of athletes love Norma tech boots or some people like to get a massage. Do you do anything in particular for recovery? Not in particular.
1: No, just stretching. Yeah. Then sometimes if I'm really bad, I would go to the physio and get a massage, but otherwise it's just
0: stretching. This is because you're only 24 years old. Wait until why yeah <laughs> in 10 years, right? <laughs> okay.
1: Maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe because yeah, I know Tony. They like some some machines that after a race they help them recover, and I'm like, I don't need that. But
0: yeah, yeah, I, and that, I'll let that, you know in 10 years. That that pre that post race meal when it's whatever you want to, you might have to dial that in a little bit. <laughs> I hope
1: I have to do that that would that's going to mean that I'm still racing in 10 years time so that would be the goal.
0: Yeah. Alex tell us where everyone can follow you just give us a rundown on your social media and stuff for the people who want to watch you race for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, so I would say I'm active in Twitter and Instagram and my name is just Alex Palo on both of them and yeah, I post everything there. I post uh, my normal life, my racing and I update every there so they can follow me there.
0: I have one more question that I forgot to ask you. You own a coffee shop in Spain with your girlfriend. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And are you an avid coffee drinker? I am. Yes, I am. Obviously, yeah, we
1: started three years ago together. And yeah, now I'm I was not a super coffee lover. But yeah, I'm a coffee lover now.
0: So what's your favorite coffee drink? How do you take
1: it? I have to take it Black. I have to take it black. Everything you add to the coffee, I, I take it. Like I sometimes have my ice latte or something. But uh, if I go to a good coffee shop, I have to take it black.
0: And is it is in Spain? I assume that coffee, like in Italy, is it's like a, a delicacy. It's a ritual, a culture thing, right? Yeah,
1: but I wouldn't say it's that far as italy we know italy with the coffee and i wouldn't say everybody loves coffee as much as here in the u.s so it's like in between of like finding that people is starting to know that you can take your coffee to go and stuff so it's not like here in the u.s you everywhere you take your coffee to go and that's been going for so many years but here uh but there in in spain uh people they don't take the coffee to go i don't know why but they are starting so it's a it's a place that did similar to an American to go place. Uh, so yeah, it's quite that's fun. Cool. Do you eat a lot of Spanish food? When I'm here, no. When I'm in Spain, yeah, obviously. But when I'm here, not really.
0: You'll have to ask people on Twitter and Instagram to send you not just fried chicken restaurants, but their best Spanish tapas restaurants, and you can that would be uh, make fun visits, Yeah. Yeah, I will. I will. Everybody, send Alex your best tapas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for doing this today and I, I wish you you good luck. You've won a couple races this year already. Let's hope you can win a few more and, and get yourself some, uh, a few more winner, winner, chicken dinners.
1: Yeah, that's a goal. Cool. Thank you so much for having me on your thank show and hope to see you again. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for joining us in that look back on one of our favorite episodes with 2021 IndyCar champ, Alex Pillow. Follow after Alex on Instagram and Twitter at, at alexpello, that's P-A-L-O-U, as he tries to rack up more trips to the Winter circle. Until next time, for more information on Food of the Gods or to download other episodes, visit us at foodofthegodspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at @foodofthegods_pod Pod or email us at food of the podcast at gmail.com. Food of the Gods is a Digitant podcast production.